to Women Making Moves, where we celebrate the moves that women are making. This is Amy Pond. I'm a Master Certified Life Coach, and I'm here with Sasha Thompson to talk about the moves that she's making today. Sasha Thompson is the founder of The Equity Equation, LLC, a high-touch boutique inclusive culture consulting and coaching firm based in Washington, D.C. area. With more than 20 years of experience within the education, nonprofit, and tech industries, Sasha's work is about removing barriers or providing support in order to get to a place of equity and inclusion. She helps executives and leaders have that important dialogue and coaches them on the necessary long-term changes that develop institutional cultures of inclusion. Sasha is an ICF certified coach in the areas of diversity, psychological safety, culture, and executive leadership. She received her bachelor's degree in sociology, concentrating on cultural diversity and ethnicity and a master's degree in educational policy, planning, and leadership from the College of William and Mary. Also, she acquired her master's of business administration from John Hopkins University, where she focused on management and marketing. Wow. All the things. <laughs> All the things. Wow. 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 So welcome, Sasha. Thank you, Amy. So glad to be here. What an incredible lead in. It makes me want to do way more. Don't do it. <laughs> Don't do it. Do what she says. Uh, well, I'm so happy to have you on our very second episode of Women Making Moves. And um, as I was explaining to Sasha, I've been following you um, on on LinkedIn and just kind of your for, for quite a while as you inspire me as uh, I work toward my ACC and you're just an, an incredibly um, inspiring coach and a human. So I'm excited to have you today. Uh, what are the moves that you were excited about making? Oh my gosh. There's so many, I think, you know, right now, um, I have two pretty big projects that I'm working on. One is just kind of with the equity equation and the business that I do. And we've just added eight coaches to our team, um, to support psychological safety in the workplace. And we're really kind of doubling down on supporting middle managers, right? Those people leaders in the middle that are often left out. Um, executives get coached all the time. Individuals that are um, seeking coaching are kind of you know getting coaching, but middle managers, they're just trying to get the job done. And so by focusing on them and giving them those resources and support, and then kind of you know, um, what I call sneaking in the vegetables of DEI um, in the midst of that as well um, has really been a big part of the work that we've been doing. The second part is I'm actually starting another business, um, which is, yeah, so you're one of the first <laughs> to hear, first to know about it. Um, it is going to be the Inclusive Leadership, I'm sorry, the Equity Leadership um, Institute. Wow. So what we're going to do through that institute is provide inclusive leadership certifications to leaders. Wow. Um, so again, those middle managers. So it's blending together coaching and psychological safety and emotional intelligence and DEI and all of these things that um, people are kind of checking the boxes on right now. But we're really providing you with a skill set and toolkit to be able to do this every single day within your work so that you can be a coach and leader for the folks that you deal with every single day. So I'm really excited that's going to be launched in the fall. I want to come. Come on. Even though I'm not incorporated <laughs> in here, but I think, uh, so 
you're speaking to my soul right now. I was that mid-level manager, uh, senior manager, director. And um, at the company I was at, we you only got a coach provided to you if you hit a certain level, which mm-hmm. was typically VP and above. So uh, something you said really, really resonated with me. Why do you think that, is it the investment of, of, of not knowing whether or not those mid-level folks are going to hang out that they're the, that the company just don't give them a coach? Like, what is that? I think it's a couple of things. One, I think when you look at the number of people that are at that level, it's a lot of people to support right? So financially, it's very difficult to do that. Um, Two, it's so interesting, especially when you look at like diversity and inclusion and ERGs and who's kind of involved in these things. It's you have executive sponsors and you have executives having these conversations, these high level conversations. You have the grassroots work, right? But that day-to-day management of people, all of that in the middle is kind of being left out, What we've learned and what research has been showing since the pandemic has been the key and the glue to holding people in the roles that they're in are the middle managers, Mm -hmm. are those everyday directors and um, senior managers that are leading people. If you have great leadership skills, then the attrition rates start to go down. If you're creating psychological safety, those attrition rates start to go down. So all of those things. So why not invest in the greatest part of your organization that has the skill set, that has the support or providing them with the support that they need in order to make sure that they're holding on to the best and the brightest? I want to um, I want to repeat a, a term you keep saying because it, it makes me feel really amazing. Psychological safety. Psychological yes. safety. And you've probably seen the stat, you, you just mentioned some, uh, a lot of research around this. You, have you seen the stat, many people have put it out around how the bearing on an employee's psychological safety has the same as like a, a spouse or a partner? Absolutely. So that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks because over the pandemic, especially when I, when I was a people leader, I did everything I could to protect my team. Like every day we started out with, are you okay? Because mm-hmm. to your point, quite frankly, I, I was that person in that role that we weren't going to get anything done in that day. If people were not safe and okay, when mm-hmm. the riots were happening in downtown Chicago, I was saying to my team, do you want me to come get you? Like I live out in the suburbs. I was like, I'll come get you. Like, let, let me make sure you're safe. And so a lot of what we've been talking about and why I want to raise up women making moves like you is that we have this workplace culture today that is kind of like metrics on top numbers and humanity at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting that you, you mentioned about mid-level managers is that now what you're seeing is a lot of people over pandemic, a lot of employees, they figured out, they figured out life to make it work for them because they were working remotely. They're like, let me, you know, let me design my life the way I need it to. And then you have this year where a lot of employees, employers are like, okay, now come back, dissolve all those great things that you just did. And I know a lot of mid-level managers, they've been bearing the brunt of that backlash because they're on the front lines with their employees, um, really navigate, helping them navigate. I literally don't have someone to pick up my child. I don't have someone to feed my dog. I don't have someone that's 
that's kind of like they're left holding the bag is kind of like yeah. the term coming up to me. They're yeah. Both- I mean, that's absolutely what it is. They're on the front lines and we saw what was happening to those that were on the front lines during the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Right. That's when you started seeing more burnout. That's when you started seeing, quote unquote, quiet quitting, all of these things. What it really is, is a reprioritization of what's important. Mm -hmm. Right. And being a human, (laughs) like that's a huge part of it. And when you think about psychological safety in the first stage of psychological safety, being inclusion, in order for me to feel included, you need to just treat me as a human being. That's it. Right. And so we are not treating people as if they are humans with feelings and emotions and responsibilities and all of those other things. Right. We can't ask them to leave that at the door. Right. That was yesteryear. That's not where we are right now, because people are like, really, you want me to leave that at the door? Then guess what? I'm not coming in the door. Yes. (laughs) Right. Like I'm out. I'm not unsubscribed. Right. I'm not staying in this type of environment. And so if we equip these middle managers with not just the tools and resources, but the support that they need, the community that they need to be able to say, you know what, I need to tap out right now because I'm tired, right? So much of that. So this program that we're creating really is about helping them figure out like, what is your personal North Star? Like, who are you as an individual and what are the values that you have? And how does that inform you as a leader? right? How does that inform you as a coach to the people that are on your team? Um, And then taking into consideration the diversity of who we are, right? Not everyone sees the world the same way. And one of the things that, you know, I've noticed over the last couple of years in doing this type of work is so many leaders have never been taught how to be a leader, right? Or how to manage people, they kind of emulate what they saw their managers doing, which may have been good or bad or you know indifferent. And so giving people the opportunity to figure out who am I as a leader, who do I want to be as a leader, um, is really an important part of this because we, we need to slow down and do that so that people can ultimately show up in the best way that they can for the people on their teams, which will absolutely impact the organization and help everyone feel better about being at work. That's beautiful. What you said about there's been a long time. You can almost see it a lot. You you know, you work with many organizations as do I, Uh, you can almost see the threads of who's, who got promoted because they were good at their job. Mm -hmm. You can thread all the way down to, um, you know, kind of like how everyone operates in that world. And that's where it's so, it's so kind of blatantly obvious to me. So one of the things I wanted to bring up, um, you post a lot, obviously through Equity Equation, and your we gave groundbreaking news here today of the new institute you're you're standing up. But uh, the importance of inclusive leadership and how it ties to what's taking place across the U.S. today. Mm-hmm. When we talk about that, is it returning from pandemic, returning to work, or, or is it what? How is inclusive leadership? manifesting today the lack of or where you're seeing it like if you're able to give me both examples of how it's playing out in the U.S. today yeah so I think when we think of yesteryear and we, we touched on this a little bit earlier right when we think of yesteryear it was you know leave your emotions at the door leave those parts of you at the door we're almost coming in like robots right um I, I love to say yesteryear was about widgets 
right? Can you make a widget? Can you sell a widget? Can you market a widget? Like all of these things with widgets. <laughs> and that's how people got promoted, right? Based on what you could do with yes. the widget. Yes. Now it's the widgets are important, but there will be no widgets if you don't focus on the people. And so that's what I'm seeing this shift to people want to be treated as humans. And so that's where this inclusive leadership really is starting to, to thrive. And it's focused on, and I mentioned it, you know, emotional intelligence and understanding emotions, not just your own, which are very, very important, but being able to read the room, being able to understand, okay, Amy's not showing up the way that she normally shows up. Let me, ta- let me um, check in with her and see how things are going. Right. And again, that's not how things are going with the project that she's working on. It's like exactly what you said. Like, how are you doing? Are you okay? And checking it again with the human side of things. Um, You know, there's there's so much more. So it's the psychological safety. It's all of these other elements that have been considered soft skills for so long. Every single research um, article or um, position paper that I've read has said that these are now the skills that people want. Like this is what people are asking of their managers and their leaders. And so how do we switch these from being soft skills because they aren't soft skills to, I had a um, someone on my podcast not too long ago call them superpowers and I've been loving that, right? How are they superpowers? Like how can you really start to activate them in a way that you've not done before? And so that's, where I think um, with inclusive leadership, we're, we're going to start to see that shift. Your superpowers. I really love that because if you're, if you're leading from a sense of inclusion, of a space of inclusion and celebrating, amplifying those superpowers, everybody, at the end of the day, every human just wants to be seen and heard. Yes. That's what it is, you know? Right. And so, and, and that's what, some, some, so one of the questions I have for you is how do you, uh, if you, if you have someone, because we're so hardwired a condition just to like go to work and make it happen. If you have someone that is struggling with something, um, and they prefer to just dive into the work and not feel their human side, do you also give space for like, how would you navigate that? So it's interesting. Most of the leaders that I work with are that way, right? Okay. What's the bottom line? What do we, what do we need to do? And we kind of take a step back to like, okay, so what's important to you today? Why is that important? Right. And so I ask these questions that cause them to start to think, and it's less about the bottom line than it is like, well, why am I even doing this? Right. And start to really unpack some of, you know, well, what makes this important to you? Um, If this was not an option, what else would you do? Now it's like, now that create those creative juices, or as we were talking about before, getting out of that box, right, becomes an option for them. Um, and sometimes it's very simple. I had one client where, you know, he was going through all of this stuff with his leaders and I, with his team. And I was like, well, have you asked them what they want? And he was like, um, no. let's start there right go back ask each individual person what they want like what do you need from me in order to be successful here and when he came back he was like Sasha oh my god 
like it was Pandora's box. I heard so many things that I didn't even know. (laughs) And I'm like, just from asking that simple question, because he was operating off of this is the bottom line. This is what I needed when I was in that position. And so we're just going to kind of check all of these boxes to kind of get from point A to point B. And I'm like, this is what equity is about, right? Mm -hmm. When we talk about equity and equality, this is what equity, giving people what they need in order to be successful. And it was like that aha moment of, oh, crap. Okay. Yeah, that's what I, and so you start to see the softer side of people when, when you can connect those dots for them that way. You kind of do this beautiful thing where you, you, you bring them out of autopilot almost. You have to, <laughs> you have to, I'm just like this. Ooh, no. <laughs> the kind of the, the, um, the stuff. Like, so what, what I, what I will do sometimes when I feel uh, I'll share an interesting story with you. Uh, it took me about 10 minutes uh, with a recent conversation with, with a, um, high ranking executive woman took me about 10 minutes to actually get to what she's passionate about. I, I, I just kept repeating my question. I said, that's amazing. What lights you up? Mm -hmm. And then she would share something else about something. Right. Yeah. And then I was like, that's really cool too. What lights you? I just kept, and then she, it was almost like a light switch when she was like, oh, me like, yes. And then it got, it got into this beautiful conversation that she paints and she was, and then, then we got into her phone and she was showing me all of her artwork. I'm like, that's right. Like that's, um, so the autopilot, the, the, um, one of the things that I've been struggling with recently that I'd love your thoughts on too, is, um, this. I struggle with the term personal brand because for me, it suggests that you have to, or executive presence, or it suggests that I have to show up as someone else expects me to. And so it's kind of like, um, what if, because I think that's what they were taught. You had to Mm. show up like buttoned up and in a certain way to the workplace. And so now they return and they teach executive presence to someone else, show up how I want you to show up. And I'm like, e cringe moment. So it's so funny you say that. I went through an exercise. I'm actually still going through an exercise of like, what is my personal style brand? Like whatever it is. And I said to the the um, the coach, I was like, you know what? I love to have fun. I love like color. I love you know, just to be active. I love to think outside the box. And she was like, okay, so why don't you dress that way? And I'm like, touche. <laughs> like I'm, I'm snapping to myself. Cause I'm like, yes. <laughs> right. And it's just, just like, you say all these things and people would say that about you, you know, your personality, but you've been in that corporate space for so long. And I was in tech the last 10 years of my career. So my standard uniform was like jeans, a graphic tee and a blazer, right? That was, and if I was going to be on stage, it was that with some heels. Like that was, that was it. And so now I'm going through this process of, yes, I can be the equity equation. Yes, I can be the equity leadership institute, but I don't have to be buttoned up right? That's not what my clients see, or that's not what they want. And that's not how I engage with them. So I can dress in ways that are much more 
tied to and connected to my personality. And so going through that process, I mean, I've gotten through, rid of a lot of clothes, um, but it's been this beautiful journey of how I want to express myself. And it doesn't have to be restricted to anyone else's thoughts of me. What's your favorite color? Oh, pink. Yes. Pink. Like my office is pink. I have rose gold stuff all over <laughs> my office. You know, it's, yeah. yeah. I love pink. My sorority colors, one of my sorority colors is pink. So yeah, it's just, um, it's a huge part of who I am. And so that's one of the things that I'm like, I need to tap into that more often. Like, I love yellow. I love wearing yellow. I love wearing orange. And she was like, but I don't see any of that in your wardrobe. Hmm. Touche. <laughs> let me, let me fix that. Going so, shopping. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I have a couple more questions for you yeah. and I wanted to see if you wanted to talk a little bit at all about DEI after five, we don't have to, but up to you, sure. um, we can, we can do that. And then um, the, the question I wanted to make sure to have is through the equity equation in the Institute, how can anyone support you either monetary or otherwise um, in your businesses? Um, or if we can help kind of broadcast any needs that you have. Oh, wow. Okay. So let me do this. I'll answer the DEI after five and that will lead into the other Great. one. So was there a specific question about the show or? Oh, <laughs> well, first of all, the, just the name DEI after five, mm-hmm. like it goes back to the conversation we've been having about, um, you check a box from eight to five. How are you? Well, seemingly right in the, in the brokenness, um, that the, that you're, that you're directly um, helping to improve, but like, what does DEI after five look like? <laughs> because a lot of leaders um, would probably just like turn that off. Or is it that they become more embracing of DEI after five because they can be themselves? What oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, how the show came about and has evolved was um, I I traveled a lot for work and I would have friends kind of in different locations and I'd be in Seattle quite a bit. And so I had another friend that did DEI work and I'm like, girl, what are you doing after five? Cause ooh, we need to talk. And so it became this thing where it's like, we would just text each other, like after five, like where, where are we going? Same place, same place. Right. Like, so we it just became this thing. Um, and then I noticed like, wait a minute, I'm doing this with friends <laughs> everywhere I go is what are you doing after five? Like, let's, and we would talk about work. We would talk about these topics. We would talk about, you know, um, like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation with this executive about X, Y, and Z, all around DEI type stuff. Or why aren't we talking about disability in this, in this organization? Like, so it started really from conversations with friends happening after five, right? Glass of wine, glass of water, whatever it was. And so that just kind of came to be like, that is the perfect name for this show. Cause the first season, I would say the first season were just really literally like my friends and family that I had on there. Um, and just us having conversations like this. So yeah, that's kind of where the show came from and it has morphed. We are now wrapping up season four. Um, so just really excited. I think we've had like over 50 episodes at this point. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm really, really excited about kind of what it's become and just 
how conversations that we don't typically have in the workplace around like that are again in that box of this is what DEI is, um, we can expand beyond that. So I absolutely love that. The DEI after five opens the box. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we, I, I like to say, I like to talk about the dirt in the corner. Like what, what's oh. over there that we're not talking about? We know it's there because somebody swept it over there. Let's talk about that. So rather than the elephant in the room, like what's the dirt in the corner that you're what, trying what to- is, What is the round Roomba not getting to? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Round Roomba being like the main DEI machine. Okay. Um, Wow. That's amazing. So please listen to Sasha and DEI after five. Uh, I know that it's on my, it's on my um, subscription list and I want to, yeah, four, four seasons. That's amazing. So um, how can we support, how can everyone support all the amazing initiatives, not initiatives, uh, movements you have going on, because really it's the, these amazing human movements that you are making with everything. Thank you. Yes. I mean, support the show. Um, You can become a subscriber to the show. We have even like a monthly thing where you can just donate to the show because we have a production team that we work with. So we need to pay them um, for this and to, to kind of keep it free. One of the things that I decided was I was not going to gatekeep any of the content. So um, we, it's all open to everyone. And so, of course, any contributions there would be phenomenal. Where, where um, that link? How do they monetarily donate to that? Um, they could just go to uh, my website or... Mm-hmm. Yeah, go to the website, equityequationllc.com, and you'll see podcast. And right there, you'll see all of the episodes. And at the bottom is the place where you can donate right there. Um, what else? Let's see. Reach out to me, you know, just find me on the, you know, again, go to the website and contact. If you're interested interested in the Institute, you know, let me know shoot me a note there, shoot me a note on LinkedIn. I live on LinkedIn. Um, so shoot me a note there. We are starting an interest list for that. And what's beautiful about that, we're offering a four-day um, in-person session as well as an online offering. So folks can do either one. And so we're piloting that in the fall. So if you want more information, just reach out to me and I'll get that information out to you. And then what else? Just, you know, follow, like, share, all the things, all the things. Amazing. So I want to reiterate all the great things that you just said to make sure that people know where to find you. So go to theequityequationllc.com to either donate to the podcast, DEI After Five, to make sure that we keep that um, the pr- production team supported. And also there is a sign-up list for the Institute for Sasha's New Institute to go live this fall. It's on uh, all both virtual and in-person. And follow Sasha Thompson on LinkedIn. Any any other handles you'd like to share? Um, we are The Equity Equation, The Equity Equation on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all the social medias. You can find the equity equation and you'll find me and you'll find the team. Perfect. Perfect. Um, Sasha, it was a true pleasure. Are there, is there any last remark that you'd like to leave the audience, whether someone within the DEI space or not within the DEI space, what would you, what would you give? Um, I would say it kind of goes back to what we started talking about earlier about not letting anyone put you in a box. Mm. Right. If you feel that there's something more that you can give, do it. 
Um, it doesn't have to be at your nine to five. It could be something that you're doing off the side of your desk or something you're doing at home, but do what you can to get outside the box because your genius is necessary. Your genius is necessary. Mm. Thank you, Sasha. This has been Sasha Thompson and Amy Pons with Women Making Moves. We'll see you next time.